This week, this month is Good Neighbor, a good neighbor. Last week, Jim Sellers gave a wonderful teaching about what does this look like. A lot of us have this big mystical perspective on it, and he really made it feel achievable and gave us just great examples of how to be a light to the people around you, how to let your neighbors know who you are and what you stand for and what you believe. And it, it was just, it was fantastic. This week, I'm going to speak about evangelism and about like going out and interacting with the people as Jesus told us to. Um, we're going to read a lot of scripture. If you've seen me preach before, it's, it's like that, right? So we're going we're gonna to go through like a week's worth of devotions for most of you right now. So just check off the next five days. Um, and I always ask you a few things. One, can you please, please be brutally honest with yourself? Just, we're going we're gonna to look at our, just, our prejudices, which is just preconceived, we've prejudged people and a situation. We're going to look at how we process, how we read scripture, how we understand what Jesus did and why he did it. So we're going to look at a lot. And I just ask you to be open. And um, there's going to be a time of ministry at the end if you feel led to come forward and get prayed for. So, but first, I want to open with prayer. So if you can bow your heads. Father, we just ask that you open our hearts, whether we're here or online or listening during the week. We know that your spirit can reach everyone wherever they are at any moment. And we ask that you open up our hearts. We ask that you open our ears. Father, we are ready to receive. We know that your presence is in this building. We all felt you moving during worship. So God, right now, we just receive your spirit. We ask that you show us what you would like us to change. Father, we repent if there's something that we know we've done to offend you and your spirit. God, we just repent. We want nothing to be between us and your presence. God, help us all to leave a changed person a little bit closer to the character that you've called us to have, to look a little bit more like you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, good neighbor, evangelism. I want to set a basis for why we evangelize and why we're asking all of you who follow Jesus to do the same. So, um, let's look at the word, right? Uh, my, my sister's got the smarts. I'm the fun one. So, you know, I just, I go to the word. I don't, I'm not, this is what I do. This is how, this is what I know to do. So you're going with me, okay? What did Jesus say? I got to lay it out easy for me. Let's see if he, I highlighted some key things. Let's see if we can figure out what he's trying to get us to understand. John 14, if you love me, keep my commands. On that day, jump into verse 20, on that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, I love that they put this in here, not Judas Iscariot, not the one that betrayed him, different, different guy, keep listening, don't skip the verse, not that one. Then Judas said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Jesus, unravel the riddles and mysteries of your scriptures to people are like, I don't understand the Bible. 
He said it like six times right there. If you love me, obey my teachings. Okay, so this is good. We love him. We've established that. Most of us do. Some of you are here just figuring out what's going on. That's cool too. So if we love him, we keep his commands. Well, that makes me go, okay, well, what are his commands? Let me, let me try and dig into this a little bit. So let's go look at Mark. Now, this question <clears throat> comes from one of the religious leaders, like one of the Pharisees. He's, I, I think it says one of the teachers and scribes. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Okay, okay. This feels doable. It says, if you love me, keep my commands. Got it. His first command is love me. I can do this. It's like, it's like when you make a to-do list and you put make to-do list on the list so you can check it off immediately. I feel like God just gave us, Jesus wanted to give us a win. Like right out of the gate. You can do this. He gives us a win and then he hits us with love your neighbor. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There, are no, there is no commandment greater than these. Love your neighbor as yourself. I think we need to look at some examples of, of how Jesus interacted with different people. Because we don't know who we're going to be running into out there. I mean, you, not, you like Archie said, you go knock on a door, you have no idea who's going to answer that door. So let's go to scripture and see. And some of you remember a parable called the Good Samaritan. And Jesus told that parable because one of the religious leaders had asked him, who's my neighbor? They're like, love your neighbor as yourself. Who, who's my neighbor? Because Jesus speaks to predominantly two different groups of people. And they both had very different views of what their neighbor or who their neighbor is. So they're trying to get some clarity. So the two different groups are basically the Gentiles and then the religious leaders. Out of most of the interactions you see with people, it's going to be one of those two people. So Gentiles are just non-Jews, right? They have, they might, they have their own religion. They're some of it's from different towns, different, you know, different nationalities. They're just their own. They're their own. And they view them, their neighbor as their people. Whoever their people is in their family or in their nationality, that's their neighbor. So that's how they view as a neighbor. And then the, the religious leaders view their neighbor as a Jewish person who is equally as devout as themselves. They feel like if you don't work as hard to keep the laws of God as they do, you're not considered a neighbor. Also, somebody in the same social class. There's a lot of people beneath them. They're not our neighbor. But we see from scripture that Jesus clearly defines it as another person. Like anyone created in the image of God that you come into contact with is your neighbor. It really makes it pretty simple. I think most of us are expecting to run into some kind of debate. You know, like we see uh, on, you know, whether it's Instagram or YouTube, you know, all these, all these people debating their faith and debating the tenets of faith and, and confronting people about their sin and confronting people. And it, it's... it's that doesn't happen very often in, in my experience. They might ask me why I believe, but it's very, it very rarely looks like that. And so I want us to see how Jesus handles these interactions. But we're gonna start with the religious leaders because Jesus is coming in 
to the scene and saying some radical things that are going very against how they've always interpreted scriptures. And they're, they're not thrilled with the idea. But So let's look at some interactions he had with religious leaders, okay? Let's start there. Matthew 23. He's saying this to a crowd of people, and there's those religious leaders, the teachers, the Pharisees, in this group as well. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Okay, different Jesus than I remember from kids' church. Uh, Matthew 12, you can read the chapter, but he has this long interaction. At the end of it, he calls the religious leaders a brood of vipers. A group of venomous snakes is how he refers to these religious leaders. Matthew 23 says, To their face, mind you, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. What is his deal with these people? It's like, I'm reading this going, he really, um, he's really got a thing for these people here. So I just want to kind of look at it because I feel like myself, I know myself, I had this kind of preconceived notion of who Pharisees were. So I like wanted to learn about it a little bit. And just a, just a heads up, you are basically just listening to what God has been telling me over the last two weeks. I'm not saying any of this is any of you. I'm saying this is what God's been talking to me about changing in my heart. And I wanted to give you a glimpse of that because I'm like, maybe I'm not the only one, maybe I am. I don't know. So let's look at who are these religious leaders? To be totally honest, they're kind of impressive. Um, probably gonna get a phone call from Jimmy after m- most of this uh, with the going deeper stuff. But to me, they're kind of impressive. They actually memorized entire books of the Bible. Entire, entire books of the Bible. They were extremely devoted to keeping the law of God. As well, they prayed daily, multiple times daily. They fasted regularly. They taught classes. They spoke openly about God to people that were unbelievers. They spoke openly about sin and how you should turn from your ways. They gave sermons. They helped the poor. They worked with the government. They stopped to stop the oppression of their people from the Romans. Put yourself in their shoes for a minute, okay? We know that the Bible says that Christ is going to return. We all know that. It's right there in our, in our scriptures, right? And in my mind, I kind of have an idea what it's going to look like. At least I think I have an idea what it's going to look like. You know, the coming in the east, white horse, robe, dipped in blood, army of angels behind him, the whole thing, trumpets, the whole thing, right? In my head, I have an idea of what it's going to look like, much like they had an idea of what it was going to look like. This guy was not who they thought was coming. Imagine this. Okay, right now, someone 
jumps on YouTube on whatever, TBN. Is TBN a thing? I'm going to this section over here. <laughs> a lot of laughing, so you people over here know what it is. Is TBN still a thing? Yes? Okay, I got a yes. Okay, so somebody jumps on and says, I am the second coming of Christ. And they start doing miracles. I would immediately write it off. Immediately. I would be like, it's illusions, it's holograms, there's multiple projectors. I I don't understand it, but it's trickery, illusions. Uh, You would would immediately, like, like with these people we read about in scriptures, I would start testing them, I would start questioning them. I would start talking to my friends and family, the ones that I care about, to say, hey, careful about this guy. Careful. Right now, there is a war in Israel. And for those of you who know about the end time prophecies, that's a big one. It's kind of a big one. And there's a bunch of end time prophecies that have been fulfilled or seem like they're in the process of being fulfilled. And like, what if I brought somebody out right now and said... He, this is the guy. He's, he's back. He's coming. It looked different than what you thought, but he's here. You, you would, I, I would, so I'm assuming you would laugh at first, because I would, and then probably walk out if you saw that I was dead serious and take everyone around you with you. So I just want you to just put yourself in their, in their place. To me, it's not crazy to imagine how they got to where they were. Not to mention there's the Romans saying, if you guys make any more fuss, we're coming in and wiping all of you out. It's not, it's not a crazy leap to get there. They got 90% of all of it right. right. They were more dedicated to the text, to devotions, to prayer and fasting, probably more dedicated than all of us. But they're missing a few major things. You know, repentance, grace, and love. Admittedly, those are massive things in the faith. But so, so if I'm doing all the right stuff, but I don't walk out repentance and love, it puts me pretty clearly in a group of people. Just me though, right? Just me. In this day and age, guys, a Pharisee is just a, it's a condition of your heart. If I were brutally honest with myself and I like to think that I am. Hope's typically more brutally honest with me, but I would probably be a better Christian if I acted more like a Pharisee. Because I I have the grace thing down. Probably too, too much so. To where I lean into grace. I lean into forgiveness and I've stopped doing some of the abiding by the law. I've stopped doing some of those things. I don't fast as much as I should. I don't read or pray as much as I should. We have the Holy Spirit in us and we understand grace and love and forgiveness. That's, that's the big difference. So now it's time, I wanna take a look. I wanna pivot from, from that group of religious leaders. Now I wanna take a look at the unbeliever, the non-Jew, the sinners, that, who they refer to as sinners, the unchurched people. Okay, so let's go to Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Let's see how he responds to this. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Let me stop right there. 
they always point this out. Have you ever noticed this? Every time they're like, that guy's a tax collector. And I'm like, I dislike the man as much as the next guy. But I don't point it out every time I see it. To put in perspective, Israel, where they are, their whole people have been taken over by the Romans. They are being completely oppressed by by this group of people. Their families, their friends, everyone. And this guy goes, yeah, but I'll go work for them. So he is, taxation without representation is a completely different topic that we can talk about. Jim can talk about, Travis Roper can talk about. There's lots of us that would love to talk to you about this whole thing. But this is so much more than that. They're not only being taxed brutally, but one of their own people said, I'm gonna go work for them. So you need, actually need to give me the money and then I'm gonna give it to, he's helping them oppress his own people. That's why it's such an offensive thing to them. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. He did not know who Jesus was. He's like, I wanna see who this guy is. But because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. He ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come to, get down here. Just get down. Get down here. I'm coming to your house. She said, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. But I just picked, it sounds different in my head. So he came down at once and, was wel- and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord. Okay, I'm gonna jump back. I'm gonna jump back. Wanted to see who this Jesus was. Back in those days when, when a respected person says they'd like to come stay in your home, it's a great honor. He doesn't know who he is. He wants to see, he wants to see what's going on here. Jesus says, come down, I'm staying at your house out of everybody else there. And he's decided, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Today salvation has come to this house. This man didn't get baptized. He didn't do any of this stuff. To me, this is very reminiscent of the thief on the cross next to Jesus. He honored him and he loved him and said, I want to spend some time with you. And the man immediately changed. One more example here. Luke 7, 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. Good start. Come on over, Jesus. He went to, a, to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her. Okay, so listen, again. I, I, I picture these things. So I'm like trying to work this scene out in my head, right? 
we know that, that the house wasn't massive, okay? Probably, probably not massive. I'm making an assumption. Maybe it was. Who knows? They were eating on the floor. And it says that he reclined at the table. Okay, so I'm trying to picture the scene here. All right, let's set up the scene. Excuse me. Are you ready? Camera one? I'm, I'm going down. So, in my head, this is how my Jesus reclines, okay? This is how my Jesus, just kind of like, like this, so he can teach. Like, this is how I picture Jesus reclining at a table. I don't know why, just in my head, this is what I see. Just, okay? Okay? Just deal with it. So, he's reclining at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster, whatever that is, jar of perfume, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping. So he couldn't have been like this. Jesus was like this. <laughs> this, is, this must be how he was sitting, because he said he was reclined at the table, the table's on the ground. Dude invited him right there, right? He's sitting here. Lady's crying right behind him on his feet. Crying on the feet. Okay, so I'm going to be here a minute. Then, okay, she began to wet his feet with her tears. So many tears. Then she wiped them with her hair kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, because he was right there, he said to himself, if this... Okay, hold on. Let's think about that. He said to who? Himself. If guy's right there, do you think he said it out loud? I don't think so. Like, in my mind, I'm trying to play this scene out, okay? He's, he's just in his head like... Okay, this is awkward. He's the, he's the guy who invited Jesus, who's just chilling at the table, and there's a lady right there crying on him. And he's sitting here going, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. He's pissed. This, this guy's not thrilled about what's going on right now. Also, it'd be super weird. You're eating dinner and somebody's crying on somebody right there. It's weird. If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is and that she's a sinner. You know what that sounds like to me? If they knew blank, they wouldn't let them come on a Sunday. If Jared knew that, he wouldn't let that person play in the band. If, Jared, if, if they knew that, they wouldn't let them help with that small group. They wouldn't let them serve on an encounter if they knew what kind of person she is. Sounds familiar to me. This man were prophet. Wow. Jesus answered him. That'll get you to pay attention right there. You're thinking something, and he answers him. Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. This guy has no idea. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. They owed him 500 and the other, one owed him 500, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly. 
also trans, I translate it as, so you get it. You, you do kind of get it. Jesus said, <clears throat> then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Jesus is hanging out here. She's just washed his feet with her own hair and tears. So he's a few feet away from him. Turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. This man walked here in sandals. It was just common courtesy to give him something to clean his feet off with before he's sitting with his nasty feet at your table and you guys are all eating around it. It's just common courtesy. He's saying, you couldn't even do the basic, decent things for me. You did not give me any water from my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown you. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That is quite a contrast to how he deals with the religious group of people. Back to evangelism. Are you loving your neighbors? Are you showing unbelievers around you the love of Christ? Some of you probably think, yep, nailed it. That's me. And that's good. But my question is, when? When was the last time you did it? I don't want to hear some back in 05, I, in high school, we would do these trips all over the, that was amazing, good work, good job. Like seriously, God is proud of you for that work you did 20 years ago. What are you doing now? But Pastor Jared, this isn't my personality type. It stresses me out. Or I don't have time for that. Or I'm not a insert whatever number from your Enneagram thing, okay? So it's not me. How can you hope to show God's strength through you if you run from anything that drains you and requires strength? He told everyone to go make disciples, right? He had 12 guys with him. You think they were all the exact same personality type? No. He told everyone, you think Jesus didn't understand the ins and outs of your personality type? He gets it. That's why we have the Holy Spirit here, to strengthen us. 2 Corinthians 12, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
Some of us aren't lacking energy. You're lacking purpose. We aren't overworked. You're exhausted from not having any joy. The joy that comes from doing what God has created you to do and commanded you to do. That's why you're so exhausted all the time. You are not living in your purpose. Busyness is killing our ability to minister in a moment of need. I know, we all have stuff to do. I get it, I do too. But we aren't called to minister only when it's scheduled, that one night a week. It's good, do that thing, keep running groups, open more groups. But you are called to do ministry more than that. Most of us have a built-in out for doing evangelism or serving anybody. We always have somewhere to be. There's always something that we can't miss, somewhere that we're needed, but you're needed right then. You're needed by the person in that moment to do what God commanded us to do. If you love me, keep my commands, love your neighbor as yourself. But my kids need to get home. I need to get to the game. A million other I need tos. Your family needs to see you live like Christ. They need to see you doing what you're telling them is righteous and just and good. Remember that verse, but don't, don't do what they do because they're not, let's not be that. Maybe your job needs to see you come in a little bit late and you tell them that, hey, I stopped to help someone. I felt like God told me to stop and help them. So I helped them, I'm five minutes late. Sorry, I don't know, what to, I can stay five minutes after. I don't know what you want me to do. Okay, Jared, I get it. But there's gonna be times when you have to point out sin and correct the behavior. Can't be this hippy-dippy love all the time. Correct. So how do we know? How do we know when? Discernment that comes from the Holy Spirit is how you know. If you aren't in constant communication with the Spirit of God, prepare to get it wrong. And that's okay. People will forgive you. For me, it's simple. I have a simple rule that was given to me by the Lord through my wife's mouth. (laughs) If I haven't shown someone love or they don't know that I care about them, it's most likely not the time to correct them. It's a pretty easy rule. I'm not speaking about people doing obvious wrong abuse, you know, emotional, physical things to you or a loved one that you have to stand up to. Don't, don't stop doing this because of that 0.1% thing. I'm talking about the 99.9% of other instances that you're going to run into doing what Christ told you to do, okay? So how do we know whether to respond to someone as if we're speaking to a Pharisee or just, you know, an unbeliever? Well, start with love and then let the Holy Spirit guide you from there. Love them as yourself. Let them see your heart. Let them see you pray for them. Let them know that you pray for them. Without repentance and the Holy Spirit, we are all at risk of being like those Pharisees. Start with love. Be vulnerable. Let them into your life. If you're vulnerable first, if you share first, if you tell them what God did in you first, It will pave a way for them to come to you when they do really need you, when they go through something really hard. 
Teach them how it goes, just like it's small group. You guys all go to small groups. Half you lead a small group. Nobody's talking, you talk, and then somebody else talks. It's pretty simple. Do what you know to do with those around you. Have you told them what God saved you from? It, it might even seem like they don't, they don't want you to love them. Um, could the worship team come join me? Putting them to work today. It might seem like they don't want you to love them, but they do. They need it. This, um, when Hope was diagnosed with breast cancer, I guess it goes without saying, it was hard. Um, we have never been more aware of how much your prayers and your love can sustain us. Like we're fairly private people, but we couldn't be that in this season. We couldn't be what was comfortable for us. And the peace and the strength that your prayers and your support have given us, it, it means everything. It absolutely has gotten us through this. And I just can't help but think what, what it would be to your neighbor if you loved them the way you've loved me and my family in this season. Could it win them to Christ? Could what you've done for us pull someone else's soul out of hell? But your neighbors aren't going to ask. And I know so many of us in this room are willing to do anything that it requires to be that to someone else. But we're just, we're waiting for some kind of signal or a word or an ask from them. And you're not gonna get it. But I'm asking you right now on their behalf, please help them. This is your ask. This is your word and your signal. Please help them. They need to be loved. They need you to be Christ to them. stand with me. I'm going to, if you already feel like, I'm just going to open it up for prayer and I'm going to give a, a, a couple things. If you already feel like that's you and you just need to get prayed for, you don't know why, but God's pulling your heart, start making your way down. And as, as God moves on you, I want you to just move down front. And if it's nobody, that's fine too. But if you need to repent for not loving like you feel like you were called to love, like you see in scripture how Christ does it, I want you to come down. If you need the strength from the Holy Spirit to do it, because you're like, that's not me, I have to, he has to come through or I'm not gonna be able to do it, then come down and get prayed for. If you feel like there's somebody you need to love, you need to forgive for not loving you, and that's just holding you back, then come get the forgiveness. I understand it's uncomfortable, but I promise you what is more uncomfortable because I have done this is getting in the car when you feel like God told you to come get prayed for and you said no. That is so much more uncomfortable. And you get that thought of, gosh, I hope he, I hope he calls me again. I missed this one. I hope he pulls on my heart again. I'm just telling you, whatever you need prayer for, that is why we are here together. So move forward. There's always like this invisible force field that stops people. Move forward some. 
And if you need prayer, I want you to just raise your hand. And those of you who are, you know, leaders in the room, people that feel like you might not need prayer at this time, whatever, come down and pray for those who do. So put your hand up. Be bold. Be bold. You're already all the way down front. Good. I want you guys to find someone. Come find somebody and pray for them. Come find someone and pray for them. I want to tell you right now, we're going to go into this bridge and this course again, and I want you to pray through it. And if you don't feel like God told you to come down, that's fine, but I would still ask you to pray. Pray for those down front. Pray for your neighbors. If in the middle of this you feel like, oh man, I really think I need to, then then do it. Then come down and do it. But I need to tell you that if I was not a believer and you all did what you did, what you just did for me, if I was not a believer, I would have to know why you did it. If you love your neighbors like you've loved us in this season, they're going to have to know why. Oh yeah, some more good questions. So I want you guys to pray, be bold, ask for prayer. Pray for someone else. If you haven't been prayed for, don't turn around and leave. Raise a hand and get prayed for, okay? We're here to be ministered to.